It's 132 days until Election Day, and summer is finally here. Today, we interview musician Drew Yoel and discover why Yacht Rock is awesome. All this and more on The Leftscape! I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Robin Renee. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. And we've got three random facts for you today. Um, The first random fact is Canadians say sorry so much that a law was passed in 2009 declaring that an apology can't be used as evidence of admission of guilt. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. That's a good law, actually. Yeah. Uh, very nice. Uh, fact number two Episode one of the Yacht Rock web series premiered on Channel 101 on June 26, 2005. The series, created by J.D. Riznar, Hunter Stair, David Lyons, and Hollywood Steve Huey, has over 1 million views on YouTube and rekindled interest in the smooth music and, and artists that comprise the genre. So uh, that's not exactly random because I'm going to be talking about that later, but it's, it's a fact. It's, a fact. It's, it's random to me. Okay, there you go. It's random but related. Yes. And here is another very random fact. Isabella Furnace was a cold blast charcoal iron furnace located in West Natmeal Township, Chester County, Pennsylvania. And actually, I, I heard another random fact yesterday that Chester County is like the murder capital of the country right now. Uh, oh. uh, we that's, <laughs> Anyway. That's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> the furnace was named for Isabella Potts, wife of one of the partners uh, who is a member of the Potts iron making family. Isabella was the last iron furnace to be built in the country, in the county, sorry, in 1835 and was operated by members of the Potts family and their partners until 1855 when they lost control of it in a bankruptcy. It returned to the family in 1881 when it was purchased by Colonel Joseph Potts, nephew of Isabella, who modernized it. The furnace, the last to operate in Chester County, went out of blast in 1894 a few months after Colonel Potts' death, but remained largely intact until after his son's death in 1943. The remains of the furnace complex have been listed in the National Register of Historic Places since 1991. I also think Isabella Furnace is a good band name. I was, I, you know, it was confusing for a minute because I thought like it, it, that was a person and I was like, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and and I, I have to tell you, it's this is probably why this stood out for me when I was randomly clicking, show me a random page on Wikipedia, which is how I find these things. Because I in fifth grade, I did a report on my science report was what is a blast furnace? And I had like a diagram of it. So this is, <laughs> nice. I don't know, I'm just sort of like really interested in steel production. So 
Cool. I, I would go. I, mean, I would visit I mean, that historic place. It sounds. I'm picturing you as a little fifth grader <laughs> with your with your poster of all the pictures of this is what a furnace <laughs> is. Well, you know, it's also my dad uh, was a metallurgist, so I guess it had it was related to that because he could also like help me with the project. Ah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was probably just out of the world book encyclopedia but who knows <laughs> oh man so uh yeah i guess those are all the facts we can handle when i go for some news yeah okay, <laughs> okay. now it's all the news we can handle <laughs> right. oh and what a lot of news there is yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Well, first, uh, one sort of just shout out. I want to say that um, we've been doing our Pride Parades of Pride's Past on Facebook over the month, which has been showing some interesting images from all different years. And I want to just say a special thanks to Sharice Richardson, who somehow came up with some photos of Rutgers University uh, Lesbian Gay Alliance marching in the mm -hmm. New York City Pride Parade in 1989. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> and um, I got to see myself at that age <laughs> and a bunch of other folks, uh, some of whom I'm in touch with, some I hadn't seen in, in a lot of years. And we've been, you know, so we, we posted that on our Facebook page and we've been chatting amongst various people who i haven't seen in a long time it was well, pretty that's cool it was pretty that's cool a nice, a nice uh unexpected result of posting these pictures is like your old friends that you have you've dropped out of touch with are like hey yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i uh i had some things in 19 from 1991 in san francisco and those were the oldest pictures that I had. I, I figure I have other things, but but that were at least within reach that I was able to find to put that together. So uh, 89 was, uh, <laughs> that was cool to see. So thank you. And also coming up in the show, and we're going to be, I'm going to share my discussion with Drew Yoel. He is a great uh, guitarist and singer-songwriter I've known him for for a while, so it's a really it's a cool conversation we had. And Drew is incredibly hopeful and just has 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 done a lot and has come through a lot. And it's nice to hear optimism and creativity. And so I'm glad that we're going to be sharing that conversation today. I just also want to remind everybody that that re that interview was recorded uh, before the george floyd murder yeah right? so, yes yeah it, it's like it's weird it, it's because it's like you know there there are markers now in 2020 and it's like there's stuff that happened before covid and there's stuff that happened before george floyd and it's like you know so i'm i'm i actually it would be cool to follow up with him to find out if he's still optimistic <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think he's determined to make the world better. That's what I would say is what Drew is like. And okay. I think that's is still true from what I've seen. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Somebody's got to keep keep us. And we we need all we need all personalities. But that's one that I think is really important. Somebody has to keep us focused. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what did we do on Juneteenth? Mm. That was what was that was Friday. Yeah, yeah. 
and I'll, I can start because my daughter actually came in from California a week ago and we went to, we had a, a flag raising down at City Hall. And, and actually that was the culmination of a, a, a morning and afternoon thing organized by uh, Kwane. <laughs> she's, uh, she's called Kwane Pie Lady <laughs> on Facebook, <laughs> I, on my community page, and I don't remember what her last name is, but she's also the president of our local BLM chapter, and I also think she's in charge of the NAACP chapter uh, in, in our city. And she did a, a wreath laying at the grave of a former slave in our, we have a, a historic graveyard in the Merchant and Grover's Tavern where Washington spent the evening. And so it's a historical building and there's a, there's a, like a, a grave site there and there are former slaves buried there and, and other things. And so they laid a wreath at this one grave site. And then at lunch, after lunch, like at one o'clock, they had a flag raising in town. And what I really liked is they were, they couldn't, by the time she was organizing all of this and it was like turning into a thing that was happening, she could not find a Juneteenth flag, which I had never seen before. Actually, I guess I had seen it before, but I didn't know what it was, you know, being the ignorant white woman that I am. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it looks like an American flag, but the, instead of blue, it's like green and red and black, I think. Oh, um, there's, there's different. Well, that was the one ones, that, that's, well, that's, that's the one she was looking for. Okay. And instead she was going to be raising the, the Pan-African flag with the three stripes that my neighbor has flying now. They were starting to do that, and then somebody, I guess, ran home and got a Juneteenth flag that they had that was a little smaller, and and that went up instead of the other one. So I thought that was kind of cool that they couldn't find they couldn't find a flag like a like a week before because they were all sold out hmm. everywhere, which I thought was also cool. But I also liked the fact that just some random person at the thing says, "Oh, I have a flag," and they ran home and ran back. <laughs> <laughs> and they put that flag up. That's, so that that was cool. Funny. And yeah. our mayor mayor is you know made like a proclamation that I think we're doing something every year now. And 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 actually, Kwane was saying that her mother was from Texas, and she kind of uh, she was saying she brought Juneteenth to Rahway from Texas when she moved here like thirty years ago. So I thought that was also cool. That's cool. That's what I've heard about it, that often someone from Texas is is the person who sort of brought that holiday or started to popularize it in other places, because it's not something that I really grew up knowing about or doing stuff with. It was, it was you know, I mean, within over a decade or so ago, but but not not very recent that it wasn't very recent that i learned about it but it but it's it wasn't it was later in my life that i that i really oh became aware of it too you, you didn't know? learn about it from trump huh <laughs> i was aware i was aware of it before that yes i can't say that you know well, you, you made us aware of it last year <laughs> at juneteenth yeah because i hadn't hurt you that was you, you, you oh know. <laughs> yeah that's how i found out about it that's cool so. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, what did I do? I, I kept our social media going about it. I learned some stuff about it. Um, I just wanted to 
do some reading and and learn a little bit more about it myself. I, I had a very quiet, I've been needing to have some quieter times, so I didn't go to any of the events or anything. I was going to find some red soda, so maybe I'll take a rain check and still do that eventually because it's one of the traditions. So I like Tahitian treats, so maybe I'll look for that at some point. <laughs> but um, no, it was a quiet one, but it was like a learning time. And I'm actually very glad that people are talking about it more. Oh, I know in Philadelphia it be- it became an official holiday for mm. the city, so that's cool. And I think that's true of a couple places in Pennsylvania. I don't know about New Jersey. Maybe it's still I like certain cities like what you mentioned, you know. Yeah. Wendy. So but but yeah, it was a good day. I I am still staying inside as much as I can, so but in my neighborhood they had celebrations and lots of fireworks. Well, lots, yeah. Lots. The fireworks are I think a whole other matter at this mm. point. Okay. I've been I've been hearing mixed things about fireworks. Yeah, uh, can you tell me because I don't like it. <laughs> what's happening with it? Well, okay. There's there's been I just saw a post on Facebook this morning. I think it's the son of Baldwin Page. Okay, posted it, and he's got a you know, and he was also saying I know he says I know this is kind of sounding conspiracy theory esque. But, you know, like, bear with me and, like, read through this thing. And and it it has to do with with the neighborhoods in Brooklyn, where I guess he is, uh, because they're doing, it's like the fireworks are starting, like, from 10 10 p.m. And they're going to, like, 3 in the morning. And they're big. They're big. The big commercial, you know, mortars. Hmm. that you know go up in the sky and do and they're very loud Hmm. and and he's and they're not cheap they were figuring somebody else on another article i read they were figuring that these people are shooting off like 250 dollars worth of fireworks a night Hmm. and you know these have been going on now for a while and they're getting more and more i mean i hear a little bit like firecrackery kind of sounds at night but it's not an all night long thing but he was saying this is and it's going on all night long in these black neighborhoods. And he is starting to think that other people are encouraging these teenagers to shoot the fireworks off so that people aren't getting sleep, which is <clears throat> it's a tactic that they use to break prisoners down and to and to and to disrupt stuff. And there and he's and it's he's saying it's it's probably something like that, or maybe they're trying to get people used to hearing all this you know, mortars and shelling like it's a war zone. So we won't be, we won't know when they switch to real, you know, weapons instead of fireworks. Wow. That does sound kind of conspiracy theorist. Yeah, it does. But it's also, you know, these, you know, it's, you know, teenagers don't necessarily have the the financial resources to get these fireworks. They're not easy to get because they're the professional ones that like uh, municipal municipalities use for their displays. Mm -hmm. Those are not legal pretty much everywhere for consumers to buy. You know, these mm-hmm. aren't like little M80s or, or uh, you know, the the caution emits shower of sparks stuff that you can mm. get at Costco. These are, you know, the big professional mortars. Well, that's not what I'm having in my neighborhood. I'm having the Costco ones. Yeah, well, I, I have, you know, my, my friend in Philadelphia was, you know, she's saying and, and she's she's a ex 
military and has PTSD and, and it's like, it's triggering her. My other friends with dogs, the dogs are like freaking out. All My the cat time. was kind of upset. Yeah. I, and I'm hoping it's not, I'm hoping this guy's being like too paranoid and this is going to settle down after July 4th, but who knows? Yeah, I hope it does. I mean, I hear, I've, I, it was weird. I was surprised to see people writing about this because I've been hearing fireworks like i don't know every night but you know more than more than would be normal at this date you know and it's it's been a little unnerving because i have been on edge you know just because of everything happening so i did i there were a couple times when i went where where there's gunshots what was that and i'm like okay that sounds like fireworks and i did hear one big one another a couple mornings ago where it really was unnerving because I mm-hmm. couldn't tell what it was. And so I don't know. Yeah, it's weird that that's happening. And I'm not going to as- ascribe any particular thing to it, but I-, I would like that it would not be happening because <laughs> it's it's a little upsetting. It's yeah. 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 Well, it's yeah. It's our, my daughter brought her dog with us, with her, oh. which and and the dog is really good and she doesn't seem to be affected by the fireworks like other dogs are. Oh, that's good. Well, I mean, it's, and it also could be because she was living, you know, she came home from uh, downtown San Diego where they've been, you know, shooting tear gas canisters, which sound are big and boomy mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, firing rubber bullets at people. I mean, she, she was like literally around the corner from all that shit happening. Mm-hmm. So, which is another reason why she kind of wanted to come home. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. All fireworks used to be illegal in New Jersey till I think maybe five years ago or less. Because hmm. I see, you know, you walk into Costco and they have like these huge displays of fireworks, like a lot of them, like, and that is like, I, every time I walk in and I see that, I go, yeah, oh, yeah, you but, think you're, you're legal now. South. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So we haven't had a shortage of killings in the last couple of weeks which is (sighs) not great uh rayshard brooks was shot at a wendy's on uh in atlanta on june 12th and there have been you know other i can't say i'm tuning it out but I, i i i'm not i'm not enumerating in a way that i could i think if i wanted to really stay aware of every case i i might I don't know. It's a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But this is this is one that people have been talking about a lot. And he the the story that, as I understand it, was that he fell asleep at the uh, drive-through. He was twenty-seven years old, and I and guess he wasn't just in the parking lot. He was. I like, thought he was in the lot, but he was kind of blocking the lane to go to the drive-through. That oh. that and, may be. I, and yeah. That's why they called the cops. Okay. I wasn't sure if he was like in the line and fell asleep or maybe that's maybe that's what happened. But at any rate, he was getting arrested and began to resist and I think reached for a, a uh, taser or something he, like he that. He took the taser and ran right. away with it. I said. And ran away, but he was, it, whatever happened, he was shot while running away. Yeah. Um, and that's sucks and it's sad you know but before that all happened he was having conversations with the cops and and it was all very amenable at first right yeah yes i did read that 
Um, that was strange. So that is an upsetting story. And it, it brings something home for me that I've thought about over the years um, quite a bit, actually. There was one experience I had when um, my dad was staying uh, at the house. You know, I guess this was, well, it would have to be more than 12 years. It was a while ago, you know. And um, I heard in the middle of the night, I heard this crash. And I went running downstairs. I thought it might have been my grandmother. Did my grandmother fall or something? And she was fine. I was like, wow, that's weird. What was that? So, you know, I went back to sleep and then I got up in the, you know, in the morning and my dad came running and said, um, before you go anywhere, can you, could you drive me to my car? And I'm like, what do you, what happened? <laughs> and he basically explained that he had been coming home and got pulled over by a cop for being on for for being drunk which was not like him but he you know wasn't like a common thing but i guess he had one too many and what he said to the cop was oh you know wow you know i'm i'm just here visiting and i saw some of my buddies i used to work with and we had a couple drinks and he just kind of explained in this nice old white guy way what <laughs> happened and the cop just allowed him to park his car and drove him home and which is nice. But I was thinking, wow, that would not have been, I don't think that would have ended that way for me. It probably would, wouldn't have ended that way for my brother, I would think, you know. No. It was just really kind of an example, you know. And now we have this. realities. Yeah. Now we have this example of someone who, it was pretty similar, you know, because he did. He, that's right. I remember the conversation that I heard about that. He asked, could he just could he park his car and could he get a ride? That was one of the things that he, Rayshard Brooks asked um, before this happened. So, wow, you know, and honestly, you know, that's a good, it, it is actually a good solution. My dad was a couple miles from home. Yeah. It's fucked up that you shouldn't be driving that way, but you know what? Just stop, stop the problem and get people to safety. Like that's a reasonable thing. Like no one had to die and it sucks that, this happened to a person of color, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that just, I don't know. It really brought that home for me. So, uh, what the about good SCOTUS? News. Yeah. SCOTUS. Yes. They, they, uh, they held up the LGBT rights as, uh, they can't, you can't be discriminated against in the workplace. Yeah. So, so that, and I don't remember how many states that was still legal in, but it was still like in the teens or something, 13 yeah. or 14 states where that would have been a reasonable reason for dismissal or discrimination or whatever. Yes. So that's well, that was that was exciting. I mean, the, the, the woman who who was the test case, she she passed away, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Is yeah, that right? That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, she was fired. She's a, a transgender woman, and she was fired from her her position in a funeral home for dressing appropriately for her gender yeah. because she transitioned, and you know they didn't like that, so they fired her. Yeah. So they can't do that anymore. Yes, that is a good thing. And DACA cannot be ended immediately. They, Trump basically they said that they weren't going to rule on DACA itself, but they were saying that Trump and the administration hadn't, hadn't, pro hadn't provided reasonable cause 
to end DACA. Yeah, I'm from from what I understood, the the judge the who was Roberts reading, Roberts but reading his decision, he gave them kind of a to do list of this is what you got wrong here and this is what you wrong so that they know what they got to fix so they can get it. So I'm a little worried about that. Well, I'm hoping they won't be around to fix it. Yeah, to, 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 to do all those things. So yeah, uh, it's amazing how sloppy his lawyers are. Be glad. Yeah, yeah. I'm very glad. <laughs> but then it's also how sloppy they are with like the the Tom Petty and all that. The music. I mean, I'm, oh, well, that, I'm jumping ahead. Yes, you are, and that <laughs> and that's um, that is actually a chronic problem with political campaigns. Is is the the campaign using music without getting clearance from the artist and you know i I guess it's they're they're going under the you know um don't get permission just to say sorry just get forgiveness and not you know not not permission um and tom petty's uh estate issued a cease and desist letter to the a cease and desist uh to the trump campaign because they used his song yeah Uh, won't back down yeah yeah so yeah, I was glad to see that because I don't believe that would be in, would be in keeping with his politics or <laughs> and his family's politics according to what they wrote. So that was yeah positive. Uh, and the other SCOTUS good news is that the Clean Water Act has remained intact as well. So that's that's great. I know we have some other decisions on the way about abortion rights and things like no. that so those are i know nerve wracking but we've got some some surprising uh, i'm hoping i'm hoping here. i'm really hoping they permit the release of his fucking tax returns mm. uh that's yeah. that's on that's on the docket as well and we'll see yeah it it has been a pleasant surprise to to hear that some of the conservative judges are voting with with the, their conscience in, yeah, instead well, of just playing politics. They're not supposed to be playing politics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's what we were worried about. So, you know, I, I'm always hoping that at least Roberts will look at, you know, what's happening here and realize what's going on, you know, cause he, they are not stupid. No, <laughs> one would <laughs> hope not. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think this is about, my limit for how much news I can handle for today. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with the yeah. news right now. Okay. So that's all the news we can handle today. Hello. We want to thank you so much for listening to The Leftscape and for being someone out in the world thinking about, talking about, and crafting the shape of progressive conversation. We love creating this show for you, and we hope you find value in the discussions we bring to the table. If you do, please take a moment right now, go to your Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. If you can, make it five stars. Good reviews really help us reach more people engaged in politics and culture like you. Thanks so much for helping us get the word out about the leftscape. Hi, I'm Jennifer, the publisher of DameMagazine.com, and you're listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. This podcast is sponsored by Slightly Larger Jeans. Do you plan on sitting at home for four to six months eating takeout? Maybe you should consider Slightly Larger Jeans. On sale now, where you bought your current jeans.
And now, back to our podcast. I am Robin Renee, and I'm very happy to have Drew Yole here with me on The Leftscape. Drew Yole is a producer, songwriter, and artist who has worked with legends like Phoebe Snow, David Lasley, Desmond Child, uh, David Benoit, Dave Bennett, Herb Alpert, and he played guitar for Sophie B. Hawkins, which I am today years old when I found that out. That's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Kristen Hoffman, and among others. Drew was recently nominated for his original composition on an MTV Pro Social Promo campaign, and he composes and has produced music for MTV, VH1, Logo, and Centric. Wow, you wrote a couple of songs with Phoebe Snow, which is fantastic. I had actually had the chance to write three songs with her, and two of them were picked for the final record that she ever made. And one of them became the title track, which was pretty amazing. Yes, that is very cool. I actually had the opportunity to interview her. Oh, really? A couple uh, about two thousand five, I think. And I'll probably I will repost this with uh, yeah. when we when this comes out. So she, she really came, awesome. She came to my apartment with a, a tote bag full of lyrics, and I went to look in the bag, and she said, "No, no, I picked the lyric." And I said, "Okay." And it's the first thing she put down on my kitchen counter. I had this little like bar counter in this little tiny apartment and we were sitting there and I said okay uh, I'll work on this one first I don't know about the title but can I take some of the lines because they're long and chop them she said whatever you want so I did that and um, I said okay that's definitely going to be a single and I looked at this other one and I said oh this one's in a drop D tuning and this one's in a tuning I'd never used before but that this one's this middle one could be piano. This one will be in the tuning I've never used before. She said, I don't understand. How are you doing this? And I said, oh, I, I hear them finished in my head. <laughs> and she was startled. And she said, I, I, I don't know what I'm witnessing, but go ahead. And I said, make sure you record this because I will, even if I promise you, I will remember tomorrow what I did. Once I'm in this zone, it's like I'm in a trance and I won't remember it. So she had a little cassette recorder, a little handheld. And she recorded it. And uh, I said, you know, I like this first one. This could be like a single for you, but I don't like the title Sugar Crystal Lightning. I think it should be called Natural Wonder because that, that word is in the is in the, the, the chorus. And um, she said, okay, you know, whatever you want to do. And so I sang these three things and I played them for her. And she was so amazed. She came back the next day. And she said, do you want to hear what we did? And I said, did we, did we record it? And she said, oh, my God, you really are in a trance when you're doing this. <laughs> for me. And I said, wow, these are really good. I got to figure out how to play them. She's like, oh, my God. You, do you remember how to play them? And I said, yeah, I'll remember. And the one that was in a tuning I never used before turned out to be the one and only time in her career she used the exact same tuning. And I said, I've never used this tuning before. I'm just hearing it in my head. And she said, is that guitar still in the same tune? And I said, yeah, it's right over there. And she picked it up and she played Poetry Man. And she said, you are like a psychic songwriter, if there is such a thing. I've never experienced anything like this. (laughs) How did you even know how to get it in my key? I said, from your speaking voice, I know. That's awesome. I've always had that strange ability to 
I meet with a singer, I speak to them. And uh, once I hear a certain timbre in the voice, I know which key I'm going after. And I went in the studio to hear some of the production and I heard it and there were album titles listed. And I said, listen, Phoebe, you should call the album Natural Wonder, not just because it's a song that we wrote, but that's you, you're a natural wonder. Your voice is not like any other voice on the planet. And she was like, no, no, I'm going to pick another title. But she ended up calling it Natural Wonder. And I felt so blessed, you know. She considered me to be her best friend. And uh, uh, literally right up to the day that she passed away. And that day that she had the stroke, we were supposed to go out to dinner and I didn't hear from her. And then I got a call from May Pang saying that she had a stroke. And um, I never got to see her. Oh, I'm um, sorry. But what a blessing just to be able to work with her and to know her for the 10 years that we were so close, you know. Yeah, that is really, really beautiful. And I'm hoping that most of our listeners know Phoebe Snow, but for younger folks who maybe are missing it, Poetry Man was her, like her biggest hit, but there's so much more. So uh, I'm really hoping that uh, yeah. people will check her out. I mean, and sure. she could literally tear the roof off a building when she sang. Wow. Yeah, she that's, came. That's she, beautiful. She came and sat in with me a couple of times uh, when I was performing, and they would this one club. They would lock the doors, and they they'd say, "We have a surprise legendary guest here," and people were like, "Oh my god!" And then she would get up on stage, and the place would just go crazy. And literally, she would just tear the roof off the building with her voice. The, the notes that she could hit were just beyond anything I could experience. And when you're on a stage with her, and she's standing next to you hitting that note with the, the volume and the projection that she had, it was just riveting. I mean, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to hear a little bit about you right now and what you're up to. I know, you know, you compose a lot and you're working on um, a new record, I know. But I guess right now I'm thinking with everything that's happening with COVID, what's changing right now with how you're, and how you're adapting to the environment? Are you composing at home? Are you doing yeah. performing um, online? or I haven't, I haven't performed online yet. People keep asking me to do that. And I, I'm sure I will. But um, I've really just been trying to stay inspired and in finding my own space in the space that we're in. And I came up with one new instrumental piece that I, I titled Ascending. Uh, and it was, uh, for me, I mean, the listener will take what they can get from it. But I feel like it has something about Italy involved because that, that was the first thing that really struck me about the pandemic was uh, just hearing about Italy and, and seeing the empty streets there. And it just struck me. And m one of my favorite composers is Ennio Morricone and his, his string composing is just incredible. And so I wanted to create something that, that made me feel like that. Uh, and at the moment, I think I was feeling a sense of being really worried and a, a sense of loss and uncertainty. And I know a lot of other people were feeling it too. And so it was a way to maybe a little bit cathartic, but a way to kind of document what I was feeling at the time. And um, it, for me, it's got two influences. It's Ennio Morricone and a bit Pat Metheny. And if you marry those two things together, it kind of had that. Thank you. 
So I've been trying to stay inspired at home. I've been doing more research into um, getting better recordings at home. And I've been writing a lot. So I think for me, because I can work from home, I have more time to uh, to really delve into things that I want to delve into. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do have a current MTV project I'm working on for one of their new shows. Uh, and so that's a real joy to work on at home because I have all the tools I need right here in my home studio. So uh, I've really spent the time just in my own space. Uh, I worked on my apartment a ton, making upgrades and Marie Kondoing in the whole place, you know, so it feels lighter. <laughs> nice. So uh, you get rid of things that don't that don't inspire you. Yeah, anything that doesn't bring yeah. you joy, she says, get rid of it. So and there was nice. a, a lot of old clothes. I mean, I really went through every corner of the apartment, upgrading my kitchen a bit, and um, and really just wanted to make the workspace and the home space feel so light that my thoughts would be much clearer. And I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, it really has been such a, a joy to just have this space and this pause to really look at everything I want to look at with the time and the attention. Uh, and I, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news since late March. So um, I don't know everything that's going on. I have a general idea, but I try and stay away from that because there's just too much crazy stuff there. And people try to send me messages with conspiracy theories every day i just don't want to pay attention to all that i just want to pay attention to this time and this moment in this space and what can i create what can i give to the world with the talent that i have that can help somebody else get through it that's that's awesome yeah that the, the hearing ascending on facebook actually is what inspired me to finally get the courage to ask you if you would talk to me on the podcast (laughs) because I really was moved by that piece. And I'm wondering, is it available somewhere or will it be? I would. Yeah, I'm sure I'll make it available at some point. Um, I got a ton of response to that. And uh, one of my closest friends is a, he's a very famous legendary choreographer. He worked with Michael and Janet Jackson and, and uh, Paula Abdul, his name is Jimmy Locust. He just, asked if he could um, have the final recorded piece for his students. He was putting together some sort of a montage and he sent it to me last night. And it was so moving to see these young kids who were so inspired by the music and how they all interpret it with their own personal dance, Mm. you know, contemporary dance form. It was just so beautiful. I, I was just so struck by it. I was speechless and I was really glad. I was supposed to do a live performance with him, which I do every year with his his classes in his school. And uh, they do a, a showcase every year. And every year I do it with him <clears throat> since the first year he ever did it. And um, unfortunately it got canceled, but he decided he was going to do a virtual version of it. And I said, well, I had been thinking about writing a new piece of music for this year. And I think this might be a good piece and he was just blown away and he said, Oh, please, can I use it? And I said, yeah, of course. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm hoping maybe you'll give us at least a little snippet to play on the show or, uh, or we can send people to, uh, Oh yeah. Somewhere on Facebook to get it to them because it is really lovely. Uh, so I can, we can work out something. Yeah, yes. Hopefully. Awesome. So it's interesting. You mentioned politics and sort of staying out of the, fray of it for the moment. And I was um, 
One of the other things that I found was really striking when I started following you on Twitter a while back, you seemed to very, very opinionated yeah. uh, at a time. And I, and I really found it refreshing and interesting. You know, some people in music or other artist circles just tend to stay out of, out of those conversations at all. And sometimes yeah. people really feel like it's their mission to speak out. And so I'm curious about your well, journey with that, like when you... When you when you were talking about it, and when you decided to like take a break, yeah, I try not to get too much into politics because it, I don't want to, you know, just get crazy, and you never know uh, how it affects people. But I mean, I just see a lot of what goes on in the world, and uh, a lot of it disturbs me, especially the way that the, the pandemic is being handled here in the United States. I'm just sending you a sending, so you have it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was the reason I stopped watching the news because when you look at other countries and how they're handling it, it's so different from the way that we're doing it here. Like New Zealand, for instance, is basically up and running. You look at countries like France where they're giving people like $2,700 or, or $7,500 a month or something. I mean, they're really supporting their people. And here it's like, no, you're on your own, you know. And yeah. Nobody's really following a plan because there's no real plan in place. And so those kind of things I find disturbing. But the politics in general is such a tricky thing. I mean, there's just so few politicians I think I trust at all. But the current situation we're in, I just think is such a travesty. It's it's horrible. And it, I think we could have saved a lot of lives if there was a real great plan in place from the beginning and they just decided you know what this is so dangerous we're just going to shut down the country for a couple of weeks you know just until that incubation period ended mm -hmm. we could be up and running already you know that's my feeling too that it just the timing is the biggest problem at yeah. the beginning and now reopening so quickly when things are not good in a lot of the country is really not not the plan, not the best plan, but it seems to be the plan, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have friends in Florida who go to the beaches and stuff, and even friends here, they, they just feel like, oh, you know, I'm not listening to any of this stuff. You know, people get sick every day. But maybe not this kind of sick, though. Yeah, exactly. So, so you feel like you're... What is your role in it as an artist, just to, to comfort, to tell, tell the stories, to um, how would you characterize that? I think uh, as an artist, I try to tell the story from, from my eyes, because I think that's what you go to an artist for is what does the world look like through their eyes? What's, what's meaningful to them? What's beautiful? What's, what's painful? What's... Uh, what's concerning, you know, wh where are their doubts, where are their fears, um, where, are their where are their strengths, their redemptions, you know. Those are all the things I, I, I find that are really valuable in, in songs. And um, uh, the song that I sent you called Love Is All We Have from the new record, it takes a poke at politics. But in a broad sense, it's really about how when you break it all down, especially in this time, it's so timely for what we're going through right now. The only thing we have to keep us going is love. It's not going to be the economy. It's not going to be the scarcity. 
and the fear and the uh, 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 all the, uh, the the craziness that we see with people being retaliated against because of where they're from. And it's not going to be those things. It's going to really be compassion and love. Mm-hmm. Good to remember. Yeah. So tell me about the new the new music that's coming. So the new record I had started three years ago, <laughs> and it was finished relatively fast. And it was all done at home. My brother recorded uh, all of his drums in, in his home studio, and he helped me produce it. And so uh, your brother, the great Doug Yule. Yeah, and you know Doug. Uh, amazing. I have, I have to grab him when he's not on tour with Joe Jackson or Suzanne Vega or Duncan Cheek or one of these artists and um so we were finishing up and my hard drive was acting a little funny and he said i'm on my way to your house let's just get the hard drive copy it over to my drive and it'll be fine and just as we started to send the files over my hard drive had a catastrophic failure and it took everything i ever recorded with it oh no everything i've ever recorded like literally the whole thing was no, no, every, everything I've ever recorded was on that oh But I have some versions of things like in, in iTunes because I open them up a lot to listen to how they sound. But those are, you know, final mixes of whatever versions I was working on at the time. Right, right. So I lost the wow. entire album. And I was pretty distraught for about two months. And then um, he found a bunch of individual files on his computer that he was stacking up to get hit the mix he wanted to record his drums. So we had to take whatever we had and start from scratch from there. So I had to re-record the entire album. So it took a long time. And um, in the interim, the blessing was I learned a valuable lesson about backing up and backing up and backing up. But I also learned that there were better songs waiting to find this record. So I had started out with, you know, I thought it was going to be a five or eight song record. I ended up writing 30 total. I finished 20 of them. We recorded 20 of them and we broke it down now to about maybe 11 that we're going to for now. And then I have enough left over for another record and I'm writing more stuff. So I may have enough left over for two records besides this one. Um, So it's in the final mixing stages. And uh, it's sounding incredible. I mean, for, for a record that was done at home, it's amazing how the technology allows me to finally record in the way that I grew up recording, which was in recording studios with two-inch tape and, <clears throat> and um, really like hands-on the console to get the mixes and the faders and, and, and uh, waiting for the mastering process to take place. It was a, it was a much more um, expensive undertaking but uh, the home recording now has just gone to a level where I can do so much of it here. But I still go after the analog sound mm. that I love. Um, and, and some other beautiful things happen along the way. I, I did come up with another piece that I thought should end the record. And it's a shorter piece that to me lyrically felt more like a roomy poem. And it's just strings and my vocal. And my brother took it with him on a trip to Berlin and he played it for this guy that does string arranging. They were working on a project together and he said, hold on a second, you have to let me put this in front of an orchestra because we have film soundtracks that we record 
and we could just tag this at the end of the session. And it won't cost a ton of money. Uh, we're going to do it in Budapest, and we'll be Skyped in from Berlin, and we'll Skype you guys in from New Jersey. And then you can listen down to a take of the 43 pieces playing your piece and tell us what you think or if there's anything you want to tweak. And that was incredible. So the last song on this record will be just my vocal and 43 pieces of a Budapest orchestra. And it opens up with the very first piece I created for the record, which is this like epic rock song. And uh, it's like, I don't know how long it is. It's, I think it's somewhere between five and six and a half minutes long. But it reminds me of what I fell in love with about going to, to concerts back in the late 70s and early 80s when I went to go see rock bands. And um, I wanted to capture this feeling of it. But it also had this sense of power in the song because this record for me is is very much a, a comeback record from the, the brain injury I had, which took uh, everything away from me for a period of time. And I had to teach myself how to play again. I wasn't sure if I'd ever write songs again, if I'd be able to sing. And I found out that I'm much better at it now with my new brain than I was with the old brain because all of the right brain took over both sides after the injury. So I'm now an all right brain person. So I'm understanding things I have no reason to understand. Like my string arrangements are getting amazing. My playing is better than it's ever been on the instrument. Uh, I have to say, I, I, that happened to you. This was a, a fall that you had, right? Um, this, was a, this was a cortisone shot in my thumb. Right. The needle hit the vagal nerve, which caused a vagal, vagal syncope. I think that's how you pronounce it. And um, I was here in my apartment. I was standing in the doorway of the kitchen. My heart stopped, and I, I woke up seven feet away from where I was standing because it threw me off my feet from just the heart stopping. I landed on a stone tile kitchen floor, shattered my wow. fall. It was a long process of relearning everything. I, I couldn't see, I couldn't hear, I couldn't form sentences. So I had to learn how to walk, how to put sentences together. I had a neuro optometrist that got, that got my vision fused back together because it was unfused. Uh, an ENT doctor from China that was able to try something experimental to get my hearing back. Um, walking was really, that was crazy because it was like uh, watching a baby take their first steps. You know, it was yeah. all toe, toe, heel, toe, heel. And it took a while to get that going. Again. But little by little, I just kept going. And I think that all the doctors in the hospital saw something they hadn't seen in other cases like this, where people are normally dead within four to five hours. And if you survive, you're a vegetable. But they could see the determination. And I just kept going and going and going and going. And the whole hospital got behind me and everybody was helping me. And to this day, the woman who helped me with the rehab, she's still one of my closest friends. Um, and I saw her recently and she was like, oh, my God, look at the shape you got in. I said, oh, I've been going to a gym like six days a week for the last year and a half. I'm getting into the best shape of my life. And she's like, this is amazing. So it's really miraculous you know, how the body can recover. But the, she always says, don't give me the credit. You're the one that had the determination. And look at what you're doing now. You're writing performing so for me the record was um really it was a big bold statement and hey i'm still here and i've got a story to tell and um so uh this the record starts with that particular song it's called dim the lights and it ends with a song called 
love here now. And in between are some really beautiful pieces. Um, it's, I think they're some of the best songs I've ever written. Wow. Well, I am, for one, I'm so glad to be talking to you and see, seeing you. This, that, that accident happened, I think, about two weeks after I met you. And uh, Was it in Atlantic City? Uh, maybe. We went out to dinner. We're hanging out with a bunch of people after a show. And that probably, it probably was, I see. Okay, so yes. it was two days after that. Okay, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> I'm glad we have you, and better, better, than, better than ever, for sure. Um, and the album is called Love Is All We Have? No, the album is called Return Echo. Returned, that's right. Yeah, yeah Return Echo, for two reasons. Um, the, there's the title track, Return Echo, was really about the state of the world and the universe. And again, it's interesting, that the timing, because it's so apropos for right now. But the other meaning of it is um, the when I first woke up, I could see, couldn't see, and my hearing was so distorted, I could only hear a big wash of echo. I couldn't hear clearly what people were saying. It would be like if you were in a recording studio and you had a patch band, you were patching in a reverb, and you only had the return, but you didn't have the send plugged in. You'd only mm. hear the, and you'd be like, well, I can't hear what you're saying. All I hear is this wash. That's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like a return echo. So, uh, double meaning of the title, yeah. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much. Um, any parting wisdom about music, the world, anything you want to say before we go? We'll make sure that uh, people get to hear a little bit of what you sound like, and I'll send people to your website so they can keep in touch well, you know that. I, the world is a beautiful, amazing place. We just have to take care of it, and we have to take care of each other and approach each other with as much love and compassion as we possibly can because we're only here on borrowed time, and we're just passengers passing through. So it's important that we take care of each other and inspire each other and um, and look out for each other. I think that's the best thing that we can, we can do in our approach to the world we live in from now and, and from now on. Thank you. That is a good message we all need to hear. Yeah. There's a bit of that in the song I sent you. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you so much. Later on, when the lights go out and you still have a moment to spare. Pray for all the lost and lonely souls Who are searching for someone to care
This podcast is sponsored by Teaching Your Relatives How to Find the Gallery View button. It's in the top right corner, and it will only take five minutes to help them find it as everyone else waits. On sale now, wherever relatives gather on Zoom. And now, back to our podcast. Why is this awesome? So, Yacht Rock is awesome. <laughs> and I have to, I have to interject. Uh, it's Y A C H T, like the boat, and not Y O T, which is what some random weird hipster word, which is what I thought you were talking about for months. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's like yacht, it's, like Y O T is like some weird genre that I don't know. Like, is, isn't it like somebody's <laughs> broadcasting from their yacht out to sea? <laughs> no, it's not like a um it's not any of these things. No, it's not that either. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds pirate radio, I think is what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking pirate radio. Pirates don't have yachts. Have- I, I know. Well, <laughs> rich pirates maybe do. I don't That's know. I <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway. Sorry. No, no, no. So yacht rock is uh mentioned that it, it was a web series that was started by these four guys jd risnar hunter stair david lyons and hollywood steve huey um and it was it, i guess i'm not sure if i actually saw it first in 2005 when it began but um at any rate i caught up to it and it was, it was these very funny episodes where they're like talking about these musicians that play like a certain type of type of smooth music that roughly rock it's not well it's different than just plain old soft rock you know Uh, but it's from say the years like 75 or 76 to to like 84 or something there was a whole sort of body type of music that was being made around that time you know need to provide examples sure i will (laughs) so let me talk so anyway there was this web series that was really funny and they had like uh people on it like they were portraying like michael mcdonald and kenny loggins and they would sort of make up these stories of how certain songs came to be but they were like these really funny comedy weird episodes but not real that's no not but not real to be. okay so they're making okay Go ahead. <laughs> it was absurd and i love the fact that it was like this weird absurd comedy about these musicians that a lot of whom i cared about but aren't really talked about in those they're not really but, really- but, but but by comedy you mean what you mean like a tv show or yes it, it was a web or- series that was made like these oh. short episodes that were just really funny stories and guys wearing hawaiian shirts sometimes yeah <laughs> or different things they were trying to portray people or so they'd be little captain's caps uh, you That's know what you need to watch this <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Okay, yeah, yeah, different things, you know. They were being different characters and sort of making up the personas that they were imagining for them and all of that. <laughs> so anyway, they came to define this genre or to or to pinpoint it in this era. And it's music that's like smooth music that is but not just like soft rock, which can be pretty simple. Like it, basically, if you can play it at a campfire on an acoustic guitar, it's not yacht rock. <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's got to be it, more electronic. Y- yeah, it has electric piano often. Like it has it. It's, it's in the BBs. 
wait a minute. So listen, <laughs> you know, um, it's rock, but it has a it really should have an R and B kind of influence to it. It's, uh, it's got um, not Slim and the BBs. No, that, people like jazz. Michael McDonald and, and a lot of Doobie Brothers can quant- quantify uh, be part of it. Kenny Loggins, Boz Gags, Steely Dan has a lot of essential yacht rock. Uh-huh. Toto, you know, um, there's excellent musicianship often the 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 chords and things are a little bit twisty and the music the lyrics aren't straight ahead either typically like it has to be a little bit about fools or something like that (laughs) rather than just like a straight up love song or something you know and it has this great personnel like a lot of uh studio musicians in playing in california at the time made a lot of this type of music you know so it's really i don't know like i've just gotten into it more and more and one of the things that is amazing is that even though i know that those years of music pretty well there's so much in any genre really this happens in new wave too um and punk rock and things that i also like a lot that there's there's just volumes of music that you still don't know that i can discover and and hear you know over time which is which is great and that's been a lot of fun they had a podcast called beyond yacht rock which ran uh it ended uh, either this year or early or last year at some point but they did 100 episodes of of um plus yacht or not episodes so there was a lot of things (laughs) yacht or not yacht yacht. i'm sorry i mispronounced it (laughs) not it's yacht yes not or yacht yes exactly so not 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 yacht or yet no not yacht or or (laughs) yet That's, I don't know, that would be something else. Yeah, exactly. Um, So the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast was really, really awesome. They they had episodes that featured Yacht Rock, and they also created new genres. Um, So they would do countdowns of new genres that they would define also. So some of them were like, Africadabra (laughs) was one, which was sort of about, you know, someone gets inspired by traveling to Africa, either in real life or in their mind often, and like <laughs> write a song about it, <laughs> you know. Like the plains so, so of Africa. Toto, is Toto a crossover band for that? Toto would cross over for that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, there was uh, Song Puddings, which is actually, I realized once they defined it, that Song Puddings is actually one of my favorite genres, which is, you know how like pudding in England is, it could dessert. be a lot of weird shit, and it's not it what we dessert. would call pudding. Like spotted dick. Any, it, I thought any dessert was pudding in England. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's a little, <laughs> it's weird, right? So it's like, uh, uh, these, so, uh, so, that, so that genre would be like, um, song puddings are, are British artists who have like an incredible <laughs> pop sensibility but it's just a little weird so that it doesn't really make it as in the same level in the United States, but it's excellent musicians. Like, it was not, not Bee Gees. Would T-Rex be one of those? They might. Well, see, individual songs would make it. Maybe a T-Rex or might a, be in yeah. there. I would say XTC. Um, oh, okay. Neil. Uh, um, God. Um, who else? Elvis Costello might have something in there. He might be a little famous. I can't remember. I can't remember all the, the exact countdown, but um, Nick Lowe has stuff 
in okay. that genre. So it's like, but it's, I love all those artists. I was like, that's what it is. It's like a little bit offbeat from the norm, but so I like great pop. They're inventing know. new genres. Yeah, so, so they have many and putting these songs in them. Song that, that is pudding? really cool. Song it's super pudding? Cool. Song pudding, yes, exactly, song puddings. Um, you know, so there's a lot, there's there's lots of genres, but if you go to yachtrock.com, you can see, you know, discussions on all those episodes and check out their playlists that they have on Spotify, that kind of thing. Um, and the, you know, Beyond Yacht Rock podcast is is still around. They're doing a new podcast coming up, which I'm excited about. But right now what's happening is, um, well, yacht, yachtandyacht.com, you can go and you can see <laughs> any, any of the, all of the songs that they have on the yacht ski scale and where they fall. So if, yacht it's, ski scale. So if it's 50 or above, it's the yacht <laughs> rock song. It. If it's 50 or below, it's Nyat Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Or or like below 50, rather. It's it's Nyat Rock. Which oh, is cool. this is hilarious. The the Discord channel is uh, is amazing right now. That is uh on Yacht Rock Discord, they have 24-7 music that just plays. You can always tap into it. Um, and then they have live sets every night at 10 p.m. Eastern but 7 p.m. Pacific. Um JD Riznar does a set which is you know, he picks a yacht rock theme or he'll play some other things like um, every Saturday night he's doing Camaro Summer, which is <laughs> a great genre that he play. It's just like kind of like I would call it cock rock, basically. But it's like <laughs> songs about, you know, the night and sexiness cars and, and cars. Yeah. You know, that's it's fun. It's, it's fun stuff. And I'm really amazed that there's this whole community around this that you know, they just make up a genre and now everybody's like following it. Yeah. It's just it's amazing. And the me. other genres there's just on yeah on uh Discord there's discussion groups for all the other genres that you can post <laughs> things in and stuff. And um you know so we chat through the through the uh live set and everything. Oh, and man. there and there are traditions that are sort of like weird in jokes and traditions that you would start to pick up on if you hang out there. Um, yeah. Well, that's any online community. Gets, any online community like that. I, yeah. I feel like I should, I should go over there and have them tell me what genre my songs are in. Cause I can never figure it out. So. <laughs> that might be helpful. So you'll know how to market yourself. That could be a new, that, that might be a new service or a new. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think if you, you become start it. Yeah, that's sort of interesting. Yeah. And the culture there is, it, it's sort of like, I like the fact that there's like a crude humor that happens in their podcast and they're just general chatting and stuff because it's a little bit a break from like the political needs of being so careful all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like that. And I also like that they are really political too, you know, because they don't, at least a couple of them don't shy away from talking about what's happening in the world and the need to get Trump out of office. And, you know, when, <laughs> when, when George Floyd passed, like they were like, we can't just have a normal show. And they played like all, all black artists, all black power empowerment music and protest songs. It was, it was good. They did a couple nights of that and featured black yacht yacht artists after that and and really sort of put a spotlight on the need to um support people of color and pay attention to what's happening so there's that too which was good you know and um 
What else? I mean, there's just, it's a community that is growing. Like there's also people like Hartford Yacht Goats who <laughs> you can check out. They okay. are, are, they do cassette only DJing, oh, <laughs> which is kind of amazing that you can see live sets that pop up on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And they've got a podcast called Hartford Yacht Goats Radio Show. I'm impressed that they have cassette players that aren't eating the tapes like all of the ones <laughs> that I have now. Right. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask them is like, are these cassettes, are they, is this from an original collection that's been added upon or is it like a new thing? Like, hey, I want to I want to harken back to earlier times and let me start a, a cassette collection. You know, I don't know. It could be some you of mean, those. People are still making cassettes and, and recording on cassette. Um, no, but I mean, you could go to flea markets and other places yeah. and, and gather. I'm not sure, you know. I mean, I have boxes and boxes of mixtapes, but, yeah. you know, I, I have nothing to play them on anymore. And we, because we, we keep getting these used machines and I'll put like a tape in there and then the tape gets destroyed and then never hear it again because the tape has been like eaten Chewed by, up. The, yeah. by yeah. the machine. I have one, I have a boombox in my bathroom that still has cassettes. So I guess I can play it, but I, I don't, I don't in practice really play cassettes, but in theory I could, and I do have a lot still to, uh, I should check them out. It's kind of. And, and you will fun. put a Spotify playlist together of some, like a, just a handful of Yacht Rock songs. How, so we know what you're talking you... about. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I can, put, I can give idea. you like the essential Yacht Rock playlist or I'll find, I'll find one. And, and, uh, cause I love your Spotify playlists. That's, oh, well, I could do one of my favorites maybe, but I, I kind of follow their list because there's just so much on there and it's, it's great. Okay. You know, what a fool believes is the only Yacht Rock song that got a hundred percent from all four of the, Okay. Yacht rock guys. That so would, that's, that helps me figure would, out what the genre is. Yeah. So that that's that the epitome. Of that. Now it's in my head. Now yeah, it's yeah. in my head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh it's 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 very specific and yet very expansive, and it's been fun to uh to keep exploring. So what was the score for Deacon Blues? Uh Deacon Blues, I think it's also essential. If a song is 90 or above, I oh, that okay. is considered essential. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up right now. Oh, I was thinking going to Las Vegas, Las Vegas, going to oh, Las well, Vegas. That's uh, Showbiz Kids. Deacon Blues is 91. So, yes, that is also okay. essential yacht rock. Yes. <laughs> so, I could get lost in this website. I, don't, <laughs> I shouldn't be on yacht or not, <laughs> yacht or not too much. <laughs> but, uh, but it's cool. And there's lots of, and the other thing is that, you know, they're not saying that Nyat Rock sucks. There's lots of great Nyat Rock that's excellent. It's just Nyat. <laughs> it's just something else. When you want so. Yacht, you don't want Nyat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this is, it's been fun. It's been fun sort of uh, connecting with folks around this music and, uh, you know, just checking it out. So I'm glad to, uh, talk about it on why is this awesome you've been listening to the leftscape podcast sound engineering by wendy sheridan show notes by robin renee hosted by in motion remote recording on squadcast fm thanks for listening and tune in to our next show